This episode is sponsored by The Path, the coach-guided membership designed to help you make alcohol small and relevant in your life by removing your true desire to grab that next drink. Our science-based, compassion-led program allows you not only to shift your behavior and your relationship around alcohol, but more importantly, uncover and reprogram your subconscious conditioning and neural connections that have been keeping you stuck for years. With daily live breakthrough coaching, an intimate and supportive community, regular peer-to-peer connection calls, and a complete vault of resources, this is where your path to total freedom and effortless enjoyment of your new way of life begins. Join us at NakedMindPath.com. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast, and I'm here with Beth. Hi, welcome, Beth. How are you? I'm good, Annie. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to have this little chat with you. Yeah, so good. So good. So um, why don't you sort of take us back to the beginning with alcohol? Where did it all start for you? Okay, I will do that. But I, I want to say one quick thing first, because, um, you know, I, I signed up to do this, I don't know, a while back. And then I looked at the calendar and I realized today, September 2013th, is um, two years ago. Today was the last time I had a drink. Oh, so I know, it was like a really cool serendipity. But anyway, I started drinking many, many, many years um, earlier. I was, I think, only 12 or 13. And um, like in my household, drinking was just really normal. My parents were moderate drinkers. They drank, they were everyday drinkers. Um, I really did never see them drunk. It wasn't like alcohol was necessarily a problem in our household. I thought it was normal. I thought it was what everyone did, unless you... Um, or maybe religious in certain, you know, maybe Mormon or Muslim that you drank. <laughs> so when I was offered alcohol at an early age, it didn't really freak me out. I was all about trying it. I lived in a really, really small town um, in New York State. And so there was a group of kids and I just happened, I happened to fall on the younger side. So, you know, the older kids offered and I was, I was all about it. Um, I remember the first time I drank, we were like sitting in a circle in the grass and I was drinking and I didn't realize like when I stood up, I remember like that woozy feeling and don't even remember really getting home, but I actually, I like peed my bed, which I was not a bed peer since I was in diapers, you know? So again, this was like 12 or 13 and I realized, whoa, um, this is maybe more than I thought it was. Um, and there was just like incidents like that, like older kids kind of feeding me beers or whatever there, we had this big community, um, celebration once a year. And I remember one older guy giving me beer and, um, he dropped me off in my front yard. I literally, like my parents found me in the front yard the next morning. And this was probably like 14 or 15. I was very punished after that. But, um, so I guess the point is I kind of blacked out early on in my drinking career, like not remembering. Um, but at this point I wasn't drinking every day. It was like stealing from the liquor cabinet of people's parents' um, houses. Um, and I used, I would say like, because I had a 40 year drinking career, I think maybe I'll just look at it by decades. So in my teens, it was really about fitting in, about yes, I wanna be included. Um, and then I kind of quickly realized that it helped with any kind of social anxiety. I felt like it helped anyway. Um, it made me feel less socially awkward. If something weird happened, you know, you could always blame it on the booze, you know, oh, we were drinking and that's why that was 
strange or awkward. And it kind of helped me form an identity in high school. Like I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't like one of the goth kids, artsy. Um, I mean, I always got a good grade, but I wasn't really part of the nerdy kids. So I was like one of the kids that would go play quarters after school. I don't know if you even know what quarters is. I feel like it's all your pong now. But <laughs> I remember quarters. Okay. I was fairly good at it. Um, so it was just, it was kind of part of my identity. Um, and then I went off to college. I moved from the East Coast to San Diego. And that was kind of a culture shock. And I went from like a really big, diverse school in Baltimore. I had moved from New York State to Baltimore. And I was in San Diego and I was at a private liberal arts school. And it was, it was very white and it wasn't what I used to. Um, so I used alcohol again to like fit in. and to um, soothe social awkwardness. And I just felt like I did better. I felt more comfortable with the drink in my hand. And I was primarily a beer drinker. Um, so, you know, there was keg parties and I just always leaned into that. I used it as like an aid. And I also used it if I didn't like the way I looked. It's like you have a drink and you don't care as much, you know? Um, I, and also in college, I found, actually I didn't find them, I had been listening to them in high school, but I started seeing the Grateful Dead live, um, which is a whole different experience than listening to them on your record player in your room. And, you know, a lot of drugs, as I said, shows, a lot of psychedelics. I started doing um, psychedelics, not often, but I mean, if I saw them, I pretty much did them, and I saw them like a hundred times. So, you know, it was like a whole culture and for me I of course I drank during this and I and I felt and I don't like looking back I don't think this is accurate but I felt that alcohol helped me like manage the psychedelics almost if I got too high I'm like oh well, I can I can drink um it was like what I knew kind of yeah um yeah and I couldn't I mean until very recently I couldn't imagine going to a dead show without at least drinking you know it was just really part of the culture um, and I also, during my twenties, my, my boyfriend was a deadhead. He was also a brewer. So this was like, it was called micro brewing back then instead of craft beer, but it was like the beginning of the micro brew movement. Sierra Nevada up in Northern California was kind of one of the beginning breweries. And he was a brewer. He became a head brewer at a brewery down here in San Diego. And it was just like what we did, you know, it was like part of my identity. Um, and as I said, I was primarily a beer drinker. Um, so I was almost like a beer snob, like I only drank certain kinds and I can tell you all sorts of facts about that. Um, and then our, that relationship ended and I started a new one and I moved into my thirties. And this is when I kind of shifted for me in a big way because um, after getting married, I had a child and then I had another child and I was working full time. And then I started using alcohol more as um, a reward for like me time and a reward for just adulting and momming and making it through the day. I'm sure you probably may relate to that. Um, yeah, it's like you do so many things during the day, right? And a lot, a lot of them you may necessarily not even want to do, but you have to do. And the days are long and, um, you know, kids aren't going to bed or whatever it is. So, 
I really was always anticipating that drink. And I wasn't drinking, I'd say, you know, probably two drinks a night, but they were very important. And the lead up to that was very important. And then the relief I got for that was um, real. And um, it just, if any time I was overwhelmed, that was my go-to. I still used it socially, but it wasn't, that wasn't like the main impetus anymore. It was more of the reward and a relief from stress and overwhelm. And I find parenting still to this day, I have three daughters, love them dearly, but I find parenting challenging. Um, you know, it's just not an easy task. It's not something you can control. There are other human beings and your, your goal is to guide them. And I just felt this relief. I felt a lot of responsibility, I still do. I still have a 13 year old, um, so she's still home. And I just almost feel over responsibility sometime. And alcohol would give me a release for that. Like mm -hmm. I didn't have to care for a little while. Um, so that was 30s into my 40s. Um, and then of course there's the whole mommy wine culture. You know, I mean, I was always showing up with the beer, but it was the same thing. It's like the moms would get together and vent about being a mom, I almost think more like being a woman because it's it's working and momming for most of us. Um, and we've been taught, I think, by society that oh well, here here's here's a here's a drink. This will help when we probably need more, you know, systemic change. But that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> um, so, and I'll and I'll make one note like. When I was pregnant, and I was pregnant three times, not a problem to give up drinking. You know, yeah. I gave it up. I did, there was some resentment in there sometimes when my husband would be able to drink and I wouldn't. And then once I did have my babies, every time I played that game with nursing, it was like, well, I can have one now because I won't have to nurse for however many hours. I don't even remember the rules anymore. But it was very important to me to still get my me time in, my reward in. Um, well, not poisoning my children, but, you know, playing that game, which I, I think a lot of moms are doing in this culture. Um, yeah, so it, it was still my identity, but again, it shifted to more like using it as a, as a release. Um, and also during this time when my, my first two girls were younger, I started really leaning into yoga. So I've had like drinking on the one hand and yoga on the other hand for kind of stress relief and overwhelm. And I mean, right there, they don't really go together, but I, I wasn't seeing that that well at the time. Um, so as the years went on, my yoga practice really intensified. I ended up getting divorced from my first husband. That was a really hard time. Um, I actually pulled back from alcohol. Um, I just I, I couldn't really handle it. But I ended up re-meeting, re-hanging out with a friend from college um, who, who was just a friend in college. but. I ended up getting pregnant, we got married. It turned out to be a really toxic relationship and there was definitely alcohol involved. It got, it got just not, it was not pretty. Um, we were both using alcohol. I ended up kind of pulling back because someone had to deal with the kids and the work and all of that. And I ended up leaving um, and taking my kids and it, it was hard and I was scared, but I did it and it was totally liberating. And again, it was like the two things that were holding me up were drinking and yoga. Like I hired babysitters to come so I could go to yoga. I didn't need babysitters to, you know, have my two drinks. 
maybe I, maybe I did, but I didn't hire babysitters for that. Um, so it just became like more and more yoga, drinking, yoga, drinking. I, I went to yoga teacher training. I went to Bali for 10 days. I trained, I don't know if you know who Janet Stone is, but she's amazing. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, like, this is a 10-day training or a 12-day training in Bali, a day each getting there and back, like two weeks. Like, can I go two weeks with no drinking? Right. And I went and I did it. And I mean, it was fabulous. Um, but what did I do immediately? I, I didn't do it when I got to the airport in Bali. But when I got to San Francisco, literally the first thing I did was go to the bar and have a drink. And it was like, Oh, I'm back. Such a relief. You know, after this amazing experience, <laughs> um, shortly after that, I did an intensive yogic philosophy um, program. And that was virtual, except for there was a retreat at the end. And again, that retreat was no alcohol, no phones even. So that's another addiction that I think most of us have. Um, but during the training, it was a six-month training, he had said to us all in the beginning, like, you are not going to say no one can drink or smoke. Or you can't alter your consciousness in any way. But, you know, it's really important that you're not over drinking or over smoking. Like this is about diving into this content. And, you know, that really made me pause. But I was okay with it because I could still, to me, if that was said, green light for at least one drink a day. So I did that. I went to that um, retreat. The phone and the alcohol were both hard. And again, I got on that plane in Sonoma to go back to San Diego. And when that little alcohol cart came down the aisle, I totally got that beer and felt, again, so much relief. Not long after that, I became a co-owner of a studio. So now my whole life, like my livelihood is, is owning the studio, um, managing the teachers, greeting all the, the students. And the cognitive dissonance between my alcohol use and being in the studio is just getting louder and louder. You know, if I overdrank on Saturday, I'm checking people in on Sunday. I'm definitely not my best. I'm a bit hungover. Um, trying not to let anyone know. I mean, it's like people think, I mean, I did have a strong yoga practice, right? I mean, I did consider myself a yogi, but here I am like self-medicating with alcohol. Um, and, and we had to make decisions in the studio, like, do we post, uh, what do they call them, like um, vino and vinyasa or mm. beer and bacasa? You know, or I just saw recently in a meme that said um, squats and shots, you know, like alcohol in the fitness space, alcohol in the yogic space. We decided against it. We were like, because I knew, like, I had all this philosophy training and like, that is not what yoga is about. Like, it's not about drinking. It's about the opposite. It's about discernment and you know, it's the complete opposite about of what alcohol does for you. So we decided against that. So outward facing, you know, I'm I'm sticking to my values, but inwardly, it's like this struggle. And and interestingly or ironically, yoga my yoga practice also kind of proved to me that I didn't have a problem because if I could get up and do that level two, level three class. Well, you know, obviously I didn't have a, a real problem with alcohol, right? I could still do the physical. Um, so, yeah, this was just all brewing in me, you know, like 
I knew what I wanted to do. Like I knew I wanted to let it go, but I just, I didn't feel like I could on a lot of levels. I don't know if you know um, who Elena Brower is, but she's a yogi. She's friends with Laura McCowan and they, she gave it up. I want to say 2015 or 2016. And I remember the email that she sent out and I was like, wow, she did it. You know, like, I think, I think she was actually, it was marijuana and not alcohol, but you know, she got rid of it. And I didn't get rid of it until two years ago. What's that? 2020. And it's like, I still remember reading that and just like, it just was percolating in there. Like I should do this. I should do this. Um, so time passes and I still have all this cognitive dissonance. We ended up, I ended up selling the studio luckily before COVID. Um, but I, but I, now I work in the bioenergy field, which is, I work in an acupuncture clinic and I'm watching all these, all of us, like all of us drink practically that work there, you know, and yet we're telling our clients, oh, you shouldn't be drinking and you should be eating healthy and all these lifestyle things that most of us should be doing. And most of us know we should be doing it, but we're perhaps not for various reasons. Um, so fast forward to, I don't know where we are, we're in the late 2019 or so, but on 2020, COVID hit. I feel like COVID's in everyone's story now, right? So is COVID. Um, so I got COVID kind of early on. I got it in July of 2020, you know, before there was vaccines, when it was still scary. Um, and I, two things about COVID, I started drinking more, which I think was, is, I mean, I know from research I've looked at, huge uptick in drinking for Americans by and large. Um, I was one of those. I'm part of those statistics. I would just drink earlier and, you know, at least one more. And I started playing around with like gin drinks, which I, I was just never a hard alcohol drinker. But something about COVID was like, fuck it, who cares? You know? So, um, so that was happening. I was drinking more. And I remember I was so, I felt so pent in that no one could go anywhere. I took my youngest, we drove to Colorado to my brothers in Durango. We, I drank a lot there with him. I like bought a whole bunch of gin. We did like gin pairings, went home. A couple of days later, I got COVID. And um, I think one of the reasons I got it is because my immunity was low from drinking. Um, and I was really, I was really pretty sick for 10 days. Like I couldn't get out of bed. I was super dizzy huge headaches, um, you know, didn't go to the hospital, never thought I was, I, I could always breathe. It was just more neurologic, but I, I obviously was not drinking. I knew I couldn't drink. And even when I got to daylight, 12, 13, 14, I was feeling better. I just knew like, I can't drink right now. Like my body really needs to heal. So I think I went 25, 26 days not drinking, um, still feeling strange from COVID. But then went back to drinking, and I'd say it was another five weeks or so. And within that five weeks, I, I, I got a hangover for sure, but I got a bad hangover. So this day, two years ago, I had people over. I made sangria for whatever reason, drank way too much of it, woke up with a huge hangover. And I, I actually was like dry heaving, and, which doesn't happen that often to me, but I was like 52 with my head like in front of the toilet my kids down the hall who was only 11 at the time and I was just like what am I doing you know this is ridiculous I am giving it a break I, I still was not ready to say this is something that would be permanent so I decided on 30 days 
And within that 30 days, I didn't do the alcohol experiment, but I did find your book. And when I have to admit that, like when I first read it and you're like, I'm going to change your subconscious. I was like, "Mm." (laughs) I don't know, but it really helps. Um, The science really helped for me, like realizing that when you, when you, when you know the science and you know that like you can't win against alcohol, like that, that buzz is never going to be as long as the down point, like the dynorphin that comes in, you're going to end up lower than baseline. I just thought to myself, like, again, why am I doing this? So I got the 30 days and I, I just reevaluated and I said, there's no reason not to do another 30 days. So I did 60 and then I did 90 when I got to 90 and I was reading a lot of quitlets, you know, um, I got your other book, um, I got the alcohol experiment and I read it. I, I'm a reader. So, um, and at 100 days, I was like, well, I'm definitely doing a year. And then serendipitously within that time, I, I guess I was on your mailing list. I saw the, the email about becoming a certified coach. And I didn't mention, but within this time, after I let go of the yoga studio, I um, attended the, I, the internet, the, I always say this wrong, IIN, Institute for Integrative Nutrition. So I got a coaching degree in integrative health, um, which was another thing telling me to let go of alcohol. I remember one of the lectures was from Libby. I can't remember her last name. She's a doctor in Australia. And she was just talking about your liver health and the role, the role of everything. But alcohol played really big in the, um, the talk. And this was still, I was still going through the program in 2020. So this, when I let go of alcohol, I was almost done. And then your email came up about becoming a certified just naked mind coach. And for me, I was like, oh my God, like this is actually where I think it's a huge, it's a huge wellness issue. It's a huge health issue. It's a nutrition issue, if you ask me. And I was like, this is like the area of wellness, the area of nutrition that I want to lean into and want to try to help other people with. Cause I didn't, there was this part of me that really thought I couldn't let go of alcohol. You know, I, I really thought it would be so difficult. Um, but it, it was hard. It was challenging. I had cravings. I mean, you're going to have cravings, but I, I, I like, if you resource up and you learn the science and you learn, like you teach so many Jedi mind tricks, you know, if you really look at your thoughts, and you can change your thoughts, you can really let go of that. Um, you can let go of your limiting beliefs around it. You know, you can just, I, I feel no deprivation anymore. Like, it's just, it's amazing because it's so hard to, when you're, when you're drinking and it's just something you rely on, um, it's hard to see life beyond it. But it's, as you know, it just uplevels your life in so many ways. Yeah, I love that so much. Oh, that's such a, that's a great story. And how cool that you just came into it, like piece by piece. I I really appreciate that. Like no major commitments. You know what I mean? I think that takes off so much of the pressure. I still don't say forever. I mean, I just don't like, who knows? Life is mysterious. I mean, I'm at two years. I have no plans to drink, but forever is daunting. Yeah. It's so scary. And I think something clicks in your brain when you start thinking about forever and I mean maybe it's useful to some people but yeah for me either it's it's never been useful yeah um so Beth tell me about then how it kind of evolved for you to decide to become a coach 
you know, it was just one of those things. I feel like life sometimes it's like, I call it the golden thread. Like you just keep following it. I mean, I don't know why I saw that email and I thought to myself, my God, I'm still in a program. Like I was still doing my nutrition certification, but something was just like, just apply, just see what happens. And then I got on a call with Scott and, um, it was just felt like the right thing to do. And, and it really was the right thing to do. It was like, it was the perfect addition to the certification I got because it just took me in that direction where I think I can help more people. Like nutrition, I mean, I, I kind of find it interesting, but it's like letting go of alcohol. It's like a huge domino for so many people. Yeah, yeah, so true. And then after that, it feels like, all the other things start to open up. It's it, it's interesting to think about. It's hard to live a life fully awake and present that you don't kind of heal some of the stuff that you were trying to escape from in the first place. And not that it always has to be some big dramatic, traumatic story or anything like that, but there are certainly like aspects of even just day-to-day -day stress that we're trying to escape from. And it's really hard on the same token to do some of that healing when you always have the escape button at, at the ready, right? Like, yeah. so I think it's interesting. It's a, it's a tough thing. It's like trying to get in really, really, really good shape and be drinking a lot. Like it's yeah. like those two things don't like coexist quite as much. They don't. And, and I mean, I mentioned it a bit, but I mean, our society really lays it out there as this cure-all and, you know, reach for it now and reach for it now. And one thing I didn't mention, but that's been kind of percolating for me as I get older um, is that, especially for women, I think alcohol can be used almost like, I don't know how to describe it. I'm thinking it in my mind, like almost like a vanity go-to. Like I, um, I used it as a meal replacement a lot of times. You know, if I was hungry towards dinner time, I would have a drink. And then I wasn't as hungry, right? And then I would like not eat the dinner and then I'd have another drink. So then I've had two drinks and no food. Like talk about bad nutrition. And I have a buzz. I know, you know, your buzz is better without food. Um, and I actually, I, I feel like I used it to, to control my weight. Because I knew, like, if I drank and didn't eat, I would stay a certain weight. And I actually knew intuitively that when I let go of alcohol, I would probably gain weight. I mean, I know a lot of people lose weight. But I just knew that I would be eating more food. <laughs> you know, I would be, like, actually feeding myself. Um and I also, it's also on that vanity thing. I also think I used it, you know, looking in the mirror as you get older, there's wrinkles. Like I wake up with bags under my eyes. I think as women age, I think there's more pressure on us to, to stay looking young and to stay looking good. And alcohol is a way to just be like, I don't care. Like yeah. you have a drink, you don't, you look in the mirror, you're like, I'm fine, you know, which of course you are. Like we're all fine. Right. But it's like I was using it in that way and not having that crutch anymore. Um, I guess in some ways it can be challenging. Like you have to work through all those emotions. Like, yeah. yes, I am aging. And yes, my body is changing. But, you know, like that's life. Like let's, let's embrace it. Let's feel it. Let's do it. Like that's why we're here, I think. Yeah, totally. And I think that's so right. And, and it's like takes a lot of, courage because you don't know what to expect or what to imagine but it's how it was meant to be experienced and then when you're in it you're like how is I ever trying to you know numb this out we actually last night went to a concert at Red Rocks mm -hmm. which is an amphitheater near 
near us. And it's just like such a spectacular experience just being there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, watching people get drunk and stuff. I'm like, you're just missing it because it's the same feeling to be drunk here as it would be to be drunk at home in front of the football game as it would be to be, you know, drunk at Sunday brunch. And, and it just like, yeah, but yeah. it's so scary to take that leap or that plunge because we just don't know what to expect, right? Yes, that's so true. And I so relate to that. I was in Red Rocks in April to see um, Trevor Hall, but, and it is, it's so spectacular there. I mean, you don't even need music there. Right? It's spectacular. But that was one of my biggest fears. Like I told you, I was a deadhead and I still am. Um, you know, I've seen probably 25 dead in company shows now. And I, that was like the final frontier. I had done like all the things, like I'd had a birthday, I'd gone on a girl's vacation to Hawaii. I'd done all the things alcohol free, but I had not gone to a dead show. And I mean, I knew I was going to do it. Like I knew I wouldn't drink, but I had some anxiety around it. And would it be fun? And oh my God, it was amazing. Like I remembered the entire set list. And I mean, they are three hour shows, but I mean, I could recite everything at the end. I remembered all the high moments. I danced just as much, just as hard. It was such, it was such a relief. I, I have to say, I think live music is so much better alcohol yeah. drink. And I never would have thought that. Yeah, I totally agree. It's so true. It's yeah. like so many things um, that are really better just experienced as we're meant to experience them. And it's interesting because I always come back to this like fundamental thought when I'm, um, that I just, it's just inescapable. And that's the fact that like our whole lives, like <laughs> I read something recently and it was one of those weird, like, tell me something that's kind of trippy. Yeah. And the idea was that your brain is um, always in the dark. And so I was like, that's interesting. Like, that's so true though, right? Like it is just always in the dark in your brain, which doesn't make sense, but of course that's how it is. And I was just thinking like the only way that we can experience anything is through our senses. Like that's it, right? Like as, apart from maybe, you know, even, I mean, I, I would even say like meditation or, or closing your eyes, you're still seeing and feeling and hearing and even if it's mm -hmm. internal, but it's still sensory in some ways. And, uh, and alcohol just numbs your it, it just disrupts the connection between whatever sense it is, your sight in your brain, your smell in your brain, your feeling of touch in your brain, your taste in your brain. And so it just dulls your senses. And I'm like, it's literally the way that we were created to experience life. We're cutting off for ourselves, which it's like, wow, that's so fascinating. And it's interesting too, because I don't know that that is true with like, you know, I mean, I, um, I have not really like looked into this much, but I'm always super fascinated about the role of psychedelics in addiction because I feel like there's such a interesting body of research coming out. And there's such an interesting, like some of the new stuff that's coming out when people are studying it are really fascinating and stuff. Yeah. And you know, those things, it's it's not about dulling your senses, right? right. And I think whatever gets you stuck is gonna get you stuck. Like you don't wanna be stuck and you don't wanna be um, yeah. servant to anything you want to be the master but right. I also I really find alcohol to be particularly interesting in that way of we're not experiencing more of life through alcohol we're experiencing less of life <laughs> and it's like exactly. oh fascinating yeah I, I have studied anthropology in college and my my like focus there was the indigenous use of entheogens which is like you know using peyote using ayahuasca all that 
which is all usually hallucinogenic and but ritually used. And it's like I, I think the same thing. Like out of all the mind-altering substances out there in the world, alcohol has to be one of the worst, one of the like lowest vibe. Like you said, it just deadens everything. It's like it's it's not mind expanding at all, you know? So yeah, if you're gonna do something, why are we all doing why are we all drinking? <laughs> interesting yeah yeah so true so um well is there anything else you want to add before I uh, ask my two final questions no I do want to thank you though I mean for your books um for being you but also for the training it was really really fabulous I learned so much um you're just doing amazing work in the world and I hope that everyone finds you mm. or or your coaches you know so that um so that they can can at least learn like maybe you decide that you want to keep drinking that's fine too but at least like just look at the relationship examine it be curious yeah so thank you <laughs> oh yay well thank you thank you for for coming on and becoming coach and all of the things I mean it's just so cool and it's so amazing to see this grow so far by, beyond what I could do by myself so it's just incredible so first question is um if people are interested in your coaching where do they find you Beth um, I mean, my my website is just my name, so bestpersell.com. Um, I am listed on your website under the coaches, but yeah, everything's under my name, Best Purcell Coaching on Instagram. So if you remember Best Purcell, you'll find me, I think. <laughs> okay, perfect. And we'll put all that in the show notes too. And then sort of the last question um, that I ask is, if you were going to go back to Beth, uh, who was, who was feeling stuck and who was um, you know, couldn't even imagine experiencing live music without alcohol and just that was so far out of the realm of possibility of even enjoying life, feeling like she would have had to give up some essence of herself in order to make that shift. What would you tell her about how life is now? Oh, gosh. Um, it's just so more vibrant. I mean, it's real. It's like, I feel so much I feel like I'm living in integrity, which takes life to a whole different level. And I feel like I, and I know that I can a hundred percent trust myself. And it's like getting rid of that one thing that you don't trust yourself around. It's such a, it just, it's just a game changer. You know, I mean, I, I have way more confidence than I used to too, which I was surprised. Like I thought alcohol helped me with confidence. No, it's like, it is blocking you. It's just, it's dimming your light, like get rid of it. And you can just, you can just open up. Oh, I love that. And I love that part about trusting yourself too, because I feel that was so true in my experience. Like there was always these sort of quadrant, like, like parts of my mind or parts of my brain that were kind of like separate or, or like, you know, in a little quadrant off. Mm -hmm. And, and when I was fully living into this, it was like, oh, there's nowhere I can't go up there. There's no part of me that I'm trying to hide from myself. There's no yeah. part of me that I'm trying to make not true. And uh, gosh, that, I remember that, I literally remember where I was when I kind of had that feeling of, well, I'm, I'm just all in on being me. And that was just like such a empowering and amazing feeling. And it probably came not that long, maybe eight or nine months after stopping drinking. I've just been like, yeah, that's, that's it. Like there's not, there's not parts of myself that I'm trying to hide from myself anymore. Or from other people. Or from like, other people. Right. Yeah, no, it, you're, I think the word, it, it, I think empowering might be the, the best word for me. Like you just said it, but it, it's super empowering to give up drinking. 
Yeah, I love that so much. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for sharing your story. And it's just, it's just been really great to get to know you better. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Hi, it's Annie Grace. I wanted to interrupt this podcast, I guess the end of this podcast, to say that if you're totally serious about actually and truly and forevermore transforming a relationship with alcohol, really leaving it behind in the rear view mirror for once and forever and changing your psychology about it, we have a program called The Path that I've created specifically for you. Now, it's not for you if you're still dabbling or trying to figure out where you want to be or maybe even if you still want to moderate. All those things are fine. That's great. But if you're beyond that and you're like, no, I just want to be done with this. I'm ready to invest some time and I'm ready to just make this happen. I want the answer. I want the easy way out. Then I want you to check out nakedmindpath.com and join us in the path where you receive coach guided and community support so that you can truly make this lasting change that you want in your life. And as always, Rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.